Hello and welcome to another episode of the A-Line Podcast. The season has absolutely flown by, it's been mega fun and it is National Champs this weekend. It's up in Tong near Bradford in the UK and I'm really excited, everyone's getting geared up for it, it's going to be great. I'm also extra excited because I'm going to be commentating as well as racing. So I'm racing in the Masters race, now I'm going to be getting behind the tape and behind the mic for the XCO MTB live stream. This is available on their YouTube channel. Make sure you give them a follow on Instagram. I'll put some links in the show notes and you can get all the links to the YouTube and things on there. But they're going to be covering the short track race and then youth, juvenile and senior races for both genders. So be sure to check that out. It's going to be great. And hey, the commentary is going to be awesome if I do say so myself. Um, other things to note, uh, you may have seen on Instagram that the tattoo bet is well and truly on between me and my wife. Basically, if I get on the podium... I have to design a rubbish or shit tattoo for her to get. And if I don't get on the podium, she designs a shit tattoo for me to get. So that's going to be pretty funny. Hopefully I get on the podium. Other notices are the A-Line Podcast end of season party. It's happening first weekend of September. Um, yeah, we wanted to kick it off just before cross season because people start getting busy again. Appreciate it. It's the end of like the school holidays. So if you can come, it would be great. Going to be in Swinney Forest in the south of the UK. Uh, maybe next year we'll move it up north to bounce things out a bit if you fancy coming down for a day it'd be awesome it's going to be pretty laid back just going to do some riding um, going to have a selection of guests there from the show as well as listeners and yeah hopefully if the weather's nice we'll maybe have a barbecue after or something but we'll play that bit by ear just um, keep an eye out for the event bright link because we're going to sign up it's going to be a completely free event to attend so yeah just your chance to come and meet fellow listeners and other riders really and just celebrate a successful race season for everyone and first season of the podcast so hopefully see you there keep your eyes on our instagram account for more details now listener questions we have an interesting one in it's kind of a suggestion kind of a question it, um it says i'd love you to ask how many hours training a week people do and what their regular week looks like um now it would be good for me to ask this but i'm i'm maybe tempted not to perhaps because there's a few reasons like just because people do a certain amount of hours training um it doesn't mean that everyone listening to the show has to do that amount of hours to be successful um because everyone's goals are different and everyone's body is different like looking at say cameron mason for example i expect he's going to be doing a lot more training hours than the seven hours that or eight hours ish that gary mcdonald and phil pierce said they do because they're both working full-time and have family etc to juggle whereas cameron is a very different situation so as well as that what a regular week looks like again this will fluctuate throughout the year so a race season week look very different to a week in december when people are chilling perhaps much like there are other stresses and things to balance in life as well such as work so people may be away for periods of time for work or may be really busy at work so training has to take a back seat um so yeah i think it's a good question but i may not necessarily ask everyone it unless it comes out naturally because i don't think there is a set number of hours a week it may portray the wrong image for example because if if i interview someone they say oh i do 15 hours a week and then um a regular week looks like yeah 15 hours then that may portray a misconception that you have to do 15 hours of training and you have to do a certain amount a certain thing each week perhaps where because it's all so individual and specific to each individual what you need to do to meet your goals and not become overtrained and ill and also to have fun as well and keep everything balanced in life so thank you for the suggestion it's really good 
I may ask it, I may not, not going to promise either way. We'll see how it goes on each guest I speak to. But yeah, keep the questions coming in. They are really appreciated. And yeah, I'll try my best to answer them. Now, we've got a quick message from Simon about the Emergency Services Champs coming up soon. It's the last weekend of July. Can't believe how fast that's come around. Get your entries in soon because it's literally next weekend as this is being recorded. So yeah, get entered. If you're in the Emergency Services, great. You can enter the Champs. If you're not, then no worries. You can still enter the regular race because it's the last round of the Southwest XC Series in the UK. Um, yeah, it's meant to be a really fun event. There's a short track on the Saturday night, I think, and you can camp over and stuff, and then the main race on Sunday. So, yeah, if you want a fun way just to blow your legs out before taking a nice end-of-season break, then get entered. Hi, everyone. My name's Simon from the Prison Service Cycling Club. Ash has kindly given me two minutes of the podcast time to announce the launch of the 2023 Emergency Service National XC Championships. It's a national championship race held on the 30th of July down at Newnan Park in Devon. If you work for any of the emergency services, either a paid or voluntary role, then this is a race for you. With black and rights up for grabs of who is the fastest service. Come along and join us for what's going to be a great weekend with camping available on the Saturday night as well as hot lap racing on the Saturday evening. Click on the link to enter and we hope to see you all down there. Now, the main event, the reason you're all here, this week's guest is Joe Griffiths, Bristol-based legend, who's known for his relaxed and laid-back approach to racing. He's got loads of great advice for riders of all levels. Whether you're just getting into the sport or looking to step up and say race in Europe, Joe's been there and done a lot of things, learned a lot along the way and has some great nuggets of wisdom to pass on. Plus, he's a multidiscipline racer as well, so he draws on experiences from loads of different uh, yeah, disciplines as well as working in the bike industry. It's a really interesting insight. Bit of a long episode, but it's awesome because there's so much knowledge cram-packed in there. So, yeah, get your notebooks out because there's some really useful bits. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the A-Line podcast. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I'm good. Awesome. It's good. Nice to, uh, nice to uh, finally, finally organise it and get it done. Exactly. I know it's like, do you want to tell the listeners who you are and uh, why you're here? Yeah, no, no problem. Um, yeah, so I'm Joe, Joe Griffiths. Um, I work for Saddleback as the uh, MV, in charge of MV warranty. Um, that's my Monday to Friday job. And then on the weekends, racing bikes, multidiscipline um enjoying it as much as i can awesome and, and like you say we've been trying to do this for a while because it's always hardest for the people you live closest to because we're both bristol based and yet we've taken a while to actually get something in the diary haven't we but it's finally happening which is cool <laughs> you know absolutely it's finding just finding that time to do it really as yeah, i said we, we ride quite a lot together so um yeah it's good to finally to finally do it and yeah talk about what's going on yeah for sure well what we'll do is we'll get stuck in then um first off the bat though before we dive into the details we'll take your virtual coffee stop order so imagine we've been out riding and you're stopping for a brew what what you're ordering straight away flat white flat jack nice every time nice that's good how do you how do you feel about raisins in flapjacks 
uh, I'm not one of these guys that that has all these fancy coffees. Yeah. You know, I just like a good flat white from a quality coffee shop and a good flapjack. I'm probably like the flapjack king. Like, I just <laughs> love them. Nice. You know, try them all. Like, <laughs> I love it. And yeah, good flat white goes down, goes down well. Nice. I like it. Some people are very like, think raisins in a flapjack just like pollute it and ruin it and they're quite fussy but it's good to hear that you're like a connoisseur of them all <laughs> yeah oh i i've had it i've had it all um i just just love them like they just they're just just what you need like they got that bit of sugar in them you know and when you finish riding it's just just perfect just perfect little snack really Definitely. And if you're going out for a long day, you can slip them in your pocket as well and they survive. They don't melt, do they? And things like that. So it's, yeah, they're really good. No, no, it's good. It's good uh, riding fuel as well. Like I do long rides and long training rides, long marathon races, you know, they're really good to have in your pocket and they just good fuel. Definitely. So now, now we're all sorted. Got a, got a flat white, got a flapjack, we're all comfy. What? Let's wind back to the start. Like, where did bikes come from? How did you get stuck into mountain biking in the first place? So uh, it all started back when I was 14. Yeah, 14. Um, I mean, up until that point, I was doing every single sport under the sun. Uh, tennis, football, mainly football. Um, I had to go everything. Um, I was always riding bikes. Um, when I was, you know, since that, since the age of three. Um, but yeah, it got to sort of the age of, of 14. I was losing interest in in football, which I've been doing for a long time. Um, my dad always rode bikes and I always, always rode bikes with my dad just as for fun. Um, and then he, he said, why don't you try bike racing? So took me along to my first race. Um, which was 2011, so a long time ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well over, well over ten years now of racing bikes. Um, at first was like, you know, we'll start with the regional, um, and then you know, see how it goes. But as it always works out, first race was a national. Sure. <laughs> woke up i was the racing at like nine nine o'clock in the morning then woke up at like half seven eight o'clock went out did a practice lap missed my start like everyone was gridded didn't have a clue what i was doing and um yeah i literally tagged on the end as my race was like leaving and was setting off and yeah I mean, since then, that was, yeah, back in 2011. And since then, I've just continued racing, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, how did the first race go? Was it a success? Did you go the whole way through the pack, or did you finish at the back as well? Like, Oh, I went. I came nowhere. <laughs> came nowhere. Didn't have a clue what I was doing. Yeah. It was all such a big learning experience then. Yeah, I can imagine. And then, so what after that first race? How did it develop into starting to take things seriously and stuff? At what point did you sort of up your game and think about, 
yeah, taking it seriously. So I think the first year I was just riding bikes and doing whatever, enjoying it. Uh, did the first the first year we did I did a few more nationals after that first race in Sherwood, um, with with a load of regionals racing everywhere, um, and then after that year, which was my first year racing was a first year junior, so I had a first year junior, oh no it was first year, for no second year youth that was okay. I had a second year youth as my first that was my first season and then I went straight into juniors and did two years in juniors and it was then at juniors I I got a coach um over that winter period after that first year I sort of looked into things more and what I could work on and you know uh, all these sort of things and I started with a coach who was working for British Cycling at the time his name was Rick Jameson. Um, I met him through doing um, British Cycling Talent talent Camps, um, yeah. which I got invited along to. Um, and then, yeah, I contacted him through the, through the, um, through the winter, and he, it, I started being coached by him and was and was coached by, by Rick for a good three to four years I would have thought took me he took me all the way through juniors um and mostly all the way up to probably halfway through the under 23 years really okay um and I then yeah I got to a point where I was I was really improving then um I'd had some good junior races um, and then I sort of got to a point where I was sort of plateauing out again, which then I then moved on and joined up with who I'm still with today, um, Ollie Beckinsale, which is yeah, coach me now for, and we've been working together for yeah five five six years. Wow. Um, at the beginning, like he was obviously more fully involved. Where he would he was giving me the like training to follow, whereas now he's more of a an agreement where you know I'm more in control of what I'm doing, um, and he's more like more of a mentor, I suppose. Just looking over, looking over it. Yeah. Um, me sort of asking him his opinion on on what what he thinks um you get to that point where you just you've done it for so long you get you know what you need to do you know what what works what doesn't work you've tried pretty much everything <laughs> there is um and i i know know now what you know what i need to do to get in best shape possible um, what works and what doesn't work. Um, and I know what sort of training I need to be putting in really. And if I'm not putting that training in, I, I know that, you know, I'm not going to be going how I need to go. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Cause like, like you say, over time you grow and develop and it's almost like, um, 
almost like a consultant sort of, isn't it? Like bouncing ideas, just having that external person that's not like emotionally invested. Because you may say, I don't know, have a bad race one day and think, oh, I've got to do a bit more training. Whereas it's just having that person to tap you on the shoulder, no, chill out, it's all right, it's just a one-off or something. And yeah, yeah, like you, you've got so much experience, I guess, over all those years that um, you kind of got the best of both of having a coach, but also being self-coached at the end of the day. Yeah, no, that's it. Like, yeah, when you when you first start of a coach, and even when I started with Ollie, I was in my early early twenties um, when I started with Ollie. Yeah, and he he was more in control of it. And yeah, the the table sort of turns really when you get up to that point where you've got that much experience and you you know what what you need to be doing. Um, and then all of these things you learn from people with with who you work with o- over the years, you know, all the all the training and all the stuff I learned from the, my previous coach with Rick and and then what I was learned from with Ollie and all of his experience of being a professional for 20 years and all of these things you learn from people throughout throughout the time gives you that that knowledge to then to do it yourself really. All these little pieces of the puzzle i suppose yeah um all come together when you get to a certain age and you just can take more control of it it's very hard to do that when you're young you know everyone i always say like if i had this knowledge when i was back when i was playing football and when i was uh even the early days of racing bikes like you had this knowledge of training on how to train back then you would have been I would have been even better, mm. even better athlete than I am now. Um, but it just comes with time and yeah. time and experience. Definitely. Together, right? Yeah, and well, even if like, because a lot of the listeners may be like older, have come into the sport in their thirties or twenties or something. Um, so it's even like they're young in terms of their cycling career, but they're old in age. I think so. I think no matter how physically old you are you still got to go through that process haven't you if that makes sense yeah um, yeah and I, know, I think it's always good to have have someone even when you coach yourself um like i'm pretty much pretty much doing now it's always good to have someone to ask and to to look over what you're doing as a, an outside influence hmm. um because you can get sometimes narrow-minded and even when you're the most, you know, you've got that experience and you know what you're doing, you still, there can, there's still times when having that, that extra opinion on something always comes in handy. Even, even now, like, even now is there's, there's times when, when I ask Ollie and, and he looks over stuff and, you know, I really value, really value his opinion. And I think it mostly is with the good thing about coaches is actually not necessarily the training you're doing or when to do it. It's actually when when to rest is the most important thing. And it's actually the co- the person telling you, you know, when to actually do less because it's very easy to do too much. Yeah. Um, and even when you've got that, like I said, that experience where you've done it for so long, uh, even 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 then you can easily fall into that trap of of doing doing too much and it's those times when you know having that 
outside influence and opinion on it comes in and when they say to you, you know, you know, uh, give it a rest or, you know, back off here. Yeah. I wouldn't do this. I would, I would do that. It becomes really, really important. Yeah. I guess that should be, it's almost should be a goal of a good coach is to develop the athlete, not just train them, but teach them as well. So they can become self-sufficient. So you're just more of a mentor, like you say, rather than having to tell them what to do every day. Yeah. So if after 10 years or something, the athlete can't plan their own training or have an idea of what they're doing and why they're doing it, then there's always a bit of a, a failing perhaps. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. If, if, if the person you're coaching is not able to do it after that time, yeah, then there's, yeah. there's been a problem. I would agree with that. Yeah, but no, um, that's really that's really good to know. At what point then in your career did you like make the step up to delete, elite out of under twenty threes? So I I left junior. Yeah. Um, two years in junior, I then I could have gone to elite, mm-hmm. but I actually chose to do a year in expert. Okay. Um, which did me the world of good. Yeah. Because I was still young, I was just yeah 18 um and i did a year in expert which was really hard because i had some really fast guys that went up and are you know still and are now top elite elite level racers um the year i did expert i had phil pierce um in my category um a guy called nick corlett which was another really good really good um Really good fast racer. He was, yeah, unfortunately he's not racing anymore, but he went up to elite um, when I went up after that year and so did Phil. Um, and he did a good few years after that. But yeah, I had a really hard expert year. Every single race was really hard. Um, and obviously at the time, I didn't, didn't know Phil was, you know, Phil's done extremely well in the elites um really good really good guy really nice guy as well yeah and um uh, really good on the bike really fast on the bike <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely he's handy yeah, yeah. he gave me a hard time and but it gave me the word of good because it prepped me gave me more experience before i went into into elite which was yeah. the, the following year um so yeah, we moved after that expert year. I moved up into elites, which was age nineteen twenty, um, and I was racing then. Yeah, under twenty three elite then um, at nationals, and then yeah, out of under twenty three, I then went into elite and was a full full on elite um, elite racer then which I've been, been in ever since. That's good. It's a really interesting point you raise about not rushing it as well, because you see a lot of people trying to, like, I don't know what the right word is. Like, you can you can race expert and do a load of races, can't you, and get a load of points and still finish in the top five, even though you haven't necessarily won a national or something. Yeah. And then get up into elite that way, can't you? Um which which is a legitimate way to do it. It's not right or wrong, but if it's if you just do one year of that, then you go up into elite. Perhaps before being ready, you end up just time trialing around the back of elite and not learning anything, rather than say doing 
two years in expert instead and helping you develop and go bar to bar a bit more does that make sense yeah no that's absolutely right because from juniors you were race i was racing four laps yeah um and then that's a big step up to elite which at the time we were we were yeah we were doing we're racing six seven sometimes you know eight laps yeah um whereas expert was that middle ground where you it was in in between junior laps and, and elite laps so it was a it was a good stepping stone to to progress in to progress in through especially at the age i was at um i was still very young and even though you know back then you think you know i'm not that young i look back now and you know i i think you know i was still young then yeah definitely um, got a lot of growing to do a lot of learning to do and things yeah yeah you see your body's still growing um you're still maturing not fully matured as as a as a um as a male hmm. you know you're just still still growing and and still getting stronger as well um and yeah it definitely did me did me the world of good yeah i mean yeah and you've you've had um a successful elite career to date and like you even you went to marathon worlds in 2018 or 19 was it Yes, yeah. Um, so I did the that year. Um, I did the national national marathon championships, which was in the Isle of Man yeah. um, that year, which was a really tough race um, against some really good guys actually. And again, Ben Ben Thomas was is always comes to the marathon race and he's always there. Yeah, um, strong guy real diesel just can keep going for keep going hours and hours just really solid solid guy and yeah it was me and him for pretty much most of the race all the way around wheel to wheel um yeah 100k 100k national marathon champs in the isle of man it's three thousand three thousand five hundred meters of climbing i think in that in oh. that hundred me a uh, hundred kilometer um loop the rain was horrific it, it was hammering down all day it was, it was one of the hardest days on the bike i've had yeah um but i was i had some extremely good form and yeah it came down to the, sort of the last couple of minutes really of the race yeah, was not far of six hours in the saddle um <laughs> In, in pouring down piss and rain oh. um, yeah the race started at six o'clock in the morning as well as so i remember getting up at four four a.m race started at six it did finish around 12 o'clock which was nice um yeah so that's the only benefit but yeah just i remember waking up at four o'clock in the morning and the rain was just bouncing off the motorhome off the roof <laughs> and it just didn't stop all day Oh, only that day as well beforehand <laughs> lovely and on the monday afterwards because we stayed there a couple of days the weather was stunning but yeah. this day was was awful and yeah that that, that race i uh, was second in that race and that then qualified me for the uh world championships which were in in switzerland which yeah how'd it go was difficult that race 
Yeah. Not my not my best race to be fair. Okay. Um. Yeah, the altitude, uh, in Switzerland was was really difficult to, was really difficult to to deal with. Um. Yeah, it was like nothing I've ever experienced before, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, it was really really hard. Um. And if again, if I if I do that, done it again, I would. Yeah, with with the experience I suppose I've got now, I, I would done done a few things differently. But it was the first time I experienced it, and sometimes to get that experience, you got to put yourself in the deep end. Yeah, totally. I mean, related to that, going back to say, because obviously you've come up through the system from youth to junior, and that when you when you finished school, did you take a decision to like pursue racing a bit more or things like that? Yeah, so I put. Um, I finished school. I went to college and did a sports diploma yeah. um, in sports sports science uh, for two years. Um, and then after that, I then, well, whilst I was doing that, I was, I was racing, you know, I was putting a lot of, a lot of effort in to, to it. And then when I finished then, finished that there, then I put all my, all my time into that for uh, for a couple of years um nice. and just to see where i could get with it really um yeah riding pretty much pretty much full time really um up to up till that was that was probably good a good two or three years i would have thought wow um, of doing it like pretty much yeah pretty much full time some races in europe as well which was really good, uh, and that probably yeah that took me up to about about two and a half years ago, which really just before COVID hit really okay, uh, or when COVID hit to be to be honest, um, that was when yeah I then got a job which I'm now doing now. Nice, no it's um it's tricky isn't it for well for everyone but in the UK to go and do like your C two C one races a lot of the time you've got to go over to Europe haven't you obviously like some of the nationals now are getting that status but to get those UCI points is difficult isn't it? Oh, it's it's difficult. You you can get so you can get only so many points in the UK and, and the racing in Europe is completely completely different. Um, the fields are so much deeper. Okay, I remember doing a a race in um in Spain one of the first ones in of the um Spanish league in Bonyolas um this was back in 2019 i think that was um and this was a hc category race so one step down from the world cup okay um in february end of feb and it was pretty much a, a world cup field wow. like like it was stacked. Everyone was there, and the fields because the field was had no limit on on World Cup races. You've got a limit to how many people can be in the race. So I mm-hmm. think there's a limit of about one fifty in a men's race, or it might be one thirty. Um, yeah, in in this in lower category races. There's no limit, so there was over two hundred riders in my category. Wow! And was like, and there was ten to thirteen rows. Yeah. <laughs> like it was like something I've never, yeah, never experienced before. 
Um, so it's things like that, um, which you just don't, you don't see in the UK and, you know, Europeans as well. They, they race so much more aggressively. They're not worried about putting bars in you, elbows in you. They are, they are not worried. Uh, and you don't, it's until you experience that, you don't, yeah, we, you don't, um, you don't know how to deal with it, I suppose. No. Um, because they're just, yeah, that much more aggressive. There's not the money. There's not many more of them. Um, and there's so many people on your level as well, which makes the racing so difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. Looking back then, having learned everything, like say there's, I don't know, a 17-year-old listening to this, what advice would you give someone that's looking to step up and have a pop in Europe? Um, don't, don't rush things for one. Yep. There's always a process to everything. And one thing I could always say to someone is don't race too much. Okay. Because when you're young, you think you've got to race all the time. Yeah. And you got to do this race, you got to do that race. You got to, you know, be here, be there, be everywhere. But if you can choose the races you want to do, something like the saying is less is more. Yeah, true. Um, you better have always focusing on doing, you know, five quality races in a, in a year than 15 average ones. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if they want to go and give it a go in Europe, by all means, you know, it's the best. It's the best place to learn, best place to to learn the craft, and it's a huge, huge eye opener. Um, but and it gives you, well, it gave me huge motivation because, you know, I did that race in Bagnolis. I did a World Cup in, I did a World Cup in France. Um, and the the races are just everything. The atmosphere, the the crowds, the 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 teams that turn up. You see, on no, you normally see on TV. Like it's a, a real. It's a great thing to be a part of. Yeah, I can imagine. It's quite. Yeah, the atmosphere must be insane. It must be um something else. Yeah, it's. And and you just gained so much experience from it as well. Yeah. Like, I think one of the other things is is when people, or when if 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 anyone goes to Europe, any you, you know for the first time is, for the most the, the best advice I could give, is don't go to, don't go over there and expect anything, just go okay. over there and enjoy it. Yeah. Because. If you go over there and expect something, you can easily, you can easily be disappointed. But that's not part of it. The whole point of it is going over there to enjoy it, and you can't, you know, you can't expect, you can't expect miracles overnight, you know. No. Rain wasn't built in a day. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. Definitely. Um, these things come, come over time, and the more you do it, the better you get it. 
Yeah, definitely. First thing is just go over there, get amongst it and do it. But don't, you know, don't have any expectations. Just enjoy being part of it because that's when all the best learning gets done. Yeah, exactly. And like you said earlier, you've got to jump in the deep end sometimes and just get stuck in, aren't you, and give it a pop. And that's yeah. the best way to learn in some instances. Um, yeah. No, that's cool. When um, you mentioned about like focusing on doing less races rather than more, you mentioned earlier. Now you're obviously a multi-discipline athlete. So how do you juggle doing like gravel road, XC, and making sure you hit quality still? Um. So I, it's, this is something I've done more as I've got older. Really, I've, I've been able to choose the races I've been able to I wanted to do um, and I've just sat, sort of sat down and I've looked at the races and put a list together of all the races that I want to do throughout the year and then I always I then plan it, plan it out so that you know I've got an racing but then I've got enough I've got periods of when I'm not racing sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that I'm not in that, in that situation when I'm racing every single weekend, traveling here, there, everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then you feel not only that you get, you know, what, cause it wears you out. It can mm-hmm. traveling, traveling is the most, the most tiring thing is, is not necessarily the racing, but the traveling to and from, getting prepared for these races is is what takes you know it's what is the most tiring so yeah i put a list together of all the ones i i of the races i want to do and i then break them out throughout the year and into this first half middle and middle and end yep um and you know not all the races that i put down on that list i, I do that year um you know, if, if if it becomes too much and there's too much going on, then, you know, I'll sacrifice whatever race that will be to, to, and I'll, you know, to keep it within that, that frame of not, you know, not racing too much, but, but racing enough. Yeah. So what's this year looking like for you then? So we've started, I started with, um, Battle of the Beach, which was a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then I've had two to three weeks now of not really, um, yeah, no, of no racing. Yep. Um, actually, let's go back a minute. I, I went, I started with a training camp in Spain, which I did yep. 10 days in Spain, um, which then, then went into Battle of the Beach. Um, from there I've had, yeah, three weeks of, of not doing no, of not doing any racing. Um, and now I'm just about to go into another block of racing, which is going, which is including the Southern XC this weekend, um, followed by a road race next weekend and the national rank three, uh, the weekend after. On the seventh, yeah. Um, I'll then have two weeks, two weeks or so of no racing. Um, 
I'll then I'll then hit the one of my sort of targeted races this year, which is the Gravel World Series in Scotland, which nope. is something different. I really wanted to give have a have a go at. Um, and then after then we'll sort of reassess them, I suppose. I mean, I've got I've sort of planned up to may as to sort of races i'm doing yeah um as to the ones i'm definitely doing um and then i, I didn't really look too far ahead as well to be honest i you know i planned up to mid-season and i know what the back end of my season is looking like but i'll then really finalize them towards towards the end of the year um but i mean my back end of my year is looking more like going to be some marathon marathon mountain bike races uh national marathon champs um gravel worlds in italy is a would be a nice one um gravel nationals in our country yep and some um, cross-country british nationals as well nice is um scotland on there for world champs if you get a spot Yes. Oh, yeah. And Scotland World Champs. Um, so yeah, national marathon, national marathon champs with the aim of be getting selected for our home world championships in in Scotland. Yeah. No, that sounds sounds like a good mixed year, and you've you've been smart about it, and like you say, you've you've kept it. You've got an idea of what you're doing, but you haven't necessarily committed. So you're not you're working towards. But if I don't know you pick up an injury or just feel a bit tired or an opportunity comes up to do something cool you can jump off and do that instead so it's good to hear a flexible approach if that makes sense because a lot of people get quite bogged down don't they and they enter all their races at the start of the year pay for it and then you've almost got to do it haven't you obviously some sell out because they're really popular and stuff but yeah yeah good to be flexible where you can i guess and listen to your body and stuff yeah no i think that's that's what another thing i've learned really over the years is he's never looked too far ahead um yeah plan you gotta have you gotta have plans in place um but yeah not look too far ahead and plan too far too far advanced really um because you never know what can happen you can pick up injuries like you say you can be ill um and other things other things can can pop up um Mm. but also it's important to just you know focus on on the races that you've got coming up and you know make sure you try and do the best you can in those in those races that are coming up and not focus on what's going on too much in the future because you know, there's other things that are in front of that which you need to take your sort of your um yeah your focus really yeah i guess cuz like off-road racing obviously there's crashes on the road but there's like a greater chance of crashing sometimes in off-road isn't there and like going into that first corner bar to bar when you need to just be full gas don't you and fully committed not thinking oh if i had crashed then i'm gonna ruin my race in eight weeks time you just gotta be like all in and um yeah Yeah. uh sometimes as well if you think too much about something that's happening you know you can ride a bit and you can be a bit hesitant because you're Yeah. yeah you're a little bit um yeah worried about what's going to happen whereas if you just sort of live in the moment 
I'm living living the now on what's going what's going on, then it can all work out for the better, really. Yeah, definitely. No, that's really good. Um, that kind of wraps up quite nicely up the main bit of our interview. Um, so what we'll do is we'll fire into like the fun part now, as it were. So what we've got is we've got first off the bat is hits and shits. So a hit is something you really like about the sport as a whole. You want to see more of something you enjoy. It can be it can be funny, it can be serious. And then a shit is the opposite. So something you don't enjoy so much, something that gets on your nerves, something you'd like to see less of. Again, it can be serious or be funny. And you can have like one or two of each or just one of each up to you. Okay. That's good. <laughs> so in any order, whatever you fancy. Um. Wait, what was the first one? So a hit or a shit. Like, so a hit is something positive, basically, about riding. So it can be like, I love dropper posts. It can be, I don't know, I love how women's racing is getting paid the same as men, something like that. Or it can be, yeah, yeah just something you really like about sport, that sport's doing good at the moment and the bike industry as a whole. Um, I think as, most, uh, as much as people moan at electric bikes, I think they're the best things that, um, has happened to to cycling really because it's allowed more people to get out on bikes, yeah, and get out and be active. Nice, yeah, that's a good shout. I I love electric bikes as well personally. They're great. Um, I'd love to have one for a training tool so you could just go off in the woods, do some descents without ruining your legs. You know, you could just have a play, couldn't you? <laughs> well, that's uh, another little another little thing that it's allowed me me and my my dad to to ride again. Oh, nice. Um, because he's got an electric bike and I'm on my normal bike. And, you know, he's we've we actually use it for that, um, for that exact reason as well. He, he comes out with me and motor paces me whilst I'm on my, my normal bike. Um, and it's like having, you know, a little scooter in front of you. Off road. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's on the e bike, which has been de chipped so you can go faster. I can be pushed by him on my normal bike. I was going to say, it needs to be de-chipped because, um, yeah, when we were riding last night, you left me in quite a bad way. <laughs> I almost didn't make it home. I thought I was going to shit myself or be sick. I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't look in a great way. I'll, I will be honest. <laughs> but it was good fun, though. It was good. Um, yeah. No, that's a good that's a good hit. Electric bikes would definitely help more people get out and help people elevate their training and stuff. What about a shit something you think maybe needs to change or could be improved? Like again, it can be it can be like I don't know tubeless tires being hard to fit, or it can be I don't know that juvenile racing needs more press coverage on in the media and things or on Discovery, it, whatever. Um, our race times. On okay. a Sunday, could be earlier. Yeah, agreed. Um, elite race times are, yeah, three o'clock or half past three. There is a. It'd just be nice if it was a bit earlier. You know, yeah. One o'clock. Is. Be a nice time, really. Yeah, you don't want it like coming from triathlon. I'm used to starting races like seven a.m. or something disgusting like that most of the time. But you definitely don't want that early. But then, yeah, if it, you could start at lunchtime or before, it's nice because you still end mid afternoon and things, and you're not rushing so much to get home. And then, are oh, you get back to work and stuff for Monday morning? Yeah, no, absolutely. 
But I guess event organizers have only got so many hours in the day, haven't they? And they've got all the categories to get through and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, I suppose someone's got to do last. <laughs> yeah, save the best till last, eh? <laughs> no, that's um, that's a good hit and a good shit. Uh, we'll roll into the next question. Is oh, this is uh, this is quite a good one because you're sort of self coached but also guided. What is your best training session that you really enjoy doing and really helps you get ready to race and you'd maybe recommend other people do? Thursday night hot laps. Thursday night hot laps. So yeah, we are recording on the Friday, so that's how I ruined myself last night is um, Thursday night hot laps. <laughs> yeah, Thursday night hot laps. For cross country, by far the, the best the best session to do. Um it includes three times, uh, three times round on a lap, like a short track, short track lap, uh, five minutes, um, all out, one lap on, all out effort, five minutes rest, and then all out again, and on, a, and then repeat, repeat, um, and then we finish off with. Eight times twenty seconds hill sprints. Um, it's a good group of us that all meet up on a Thursday. Um, our local woods, about six six to eight of us, all on cross country bikes. Um, all just yeah, pushing pushing the limits, but it's great because you're, you know, having a good time, and you're getting some really quality work in, but you're not really thinking about it. Yeah, totally. Um, you're working on everything. You're working on explosive power. You're working on that that punchiness you need to get race ready. Um, you're working on your technical ability or your skills because you're on a really good, really good technical loop. Yeah. It covers, it covers everything, and it just gives you that, that fine-tuning in which you need to to get ready for the real high intensity that cross country requires. Definitely. And you just, you just need like three or four mates or whatever, don't you? Just to get out and do it on, it doesn't have to be a Thursday night if people want to do it themselves. Yeah, I totally agree. It's really good. And also you're going bar to bar in a friendly way. It's that mini race environment, I guess, isn't it? Which you're replicating. Yeah, exactly that. Having fun, getting the work done, having fun with your mates. Boom. There you go. On the cross country bikes, just riding trails fast. Yeah, nothing beats it on a nice summer's evening as well. Definitely, no, I totally agree. Yeah, it's one of my favourite sessions of the week that I really look forward to. So no, that's a that's a good answer, and hopefully some other people can um, set up hot laps where they live and things. Get it, like <laughs> a bit of a thing going around the country, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, the goes, next way, go on. Goes XC hot laps goes global. Yeah, you never know. Be a new discipline, maybe. <laughs> it's like short track, but you do three individual laps with a five-minute break in between each one. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Uh, next question is, finish the sentence. If I wasn't racing bikes, I'd be dot, dot, dot. If I wasn't racing bikes... Yeah. I would... Mm, that's a good question. Like, obviously, you've got saddleback that you work at and stuff. Yeah. But I don't know if you've got any 
other hobbies like do you play guitar or you like fishing or something like that maybe is there any other things that if i wasn't racing bikes i'd be a runner okay nice yeah you're a handy runner as well aren't you you've done some half marathons and stuff yeah i really like running okay um i like yeah i like running because it's different but sort of similar at the same time yeah um and it's a good distraction yeah definitely i guess like cycling is just mechanical running at the end of the day isn't it but you can yeah. run in simple too and you just get your trainers off you, go, you ain't gotta wash your bike and stuff have you just go out and smash the trails or whatever yeah nice yeah that's a good answer i, I uh i do love sport so yeah i just love staying fit i love yeah being in keeping keeping in good shape and just being active outside you know i like being outside and yeah being out in the nice fresh air and especially in the forest nice and quiet um, yeah yeah so anything outdoors really is a uh, is always a always a benefit to me definitely no it is good to get out in nature and stuff and you can explore and things too it's um definitely a special sport mountain biking because you can sort of go further than you can by running perhaps and things as well so you can get into nature a bit more if that makes sense yeah no that's cool um the next question is this is an interesting one because of who you work for what do you think well it doesn't have to be equipment what do you think the best value upgrade is that the average listener out there could make to their performance so it can it can be like buy i know tires or it could be spend money on coaching or just putting fuel in the van to go ride somewhere new what's the best value upgrade you think people can make for the bike side it'll be wheels okay because wheels make the the bit biggest difference they drop the biggest amount they they drop the, the most amount of weight um, and they make the biggest difference to performance, like hands down, um, hands down the best, the best thing you can do if it, if there's anything. Um, and then second to that, yeah, quality, quality training, um, okay. and always try and learn from everyone learn from everyone and be like a bit of a sponge that's what i've <laughs> always been good at is nice. talking to people learning from people and all these little things come together yeah that's that's a good point because i guess if you you may have like the top end set of wheels whatever brand it is but if you can't ride around a corner fast it doesn't matter does it <laughs> if you haven't learned how to do it or if whatever it is if you don't absorb things racing around you then yeah yeah that makes uh, that's it it's not only not only that of talking talking to people and networking is is a huge huge um huge part of it because you never know who you're going to come across in life and it's why it's always good to talk to everyone um because you never know who who, who you're talking to uh, or what what opportunities can come from from it um you can you guys suppose you can never have too many too many um fingers in the in the pie i suppose yeah um the more people you know the more people you network with the more connections you got it all 
benefits you massively in the long run. And it's, it's one thing I've been very, very good at is just talking to everyone and networking is, is, you know, I'm also being very, being very loyal as well, you know, just sponsors and that in over the years that have supported me and still support me now. I mean, you know, Schwalbe tires, I've been riding Schwalbe and been supported by Schwalbe for over 10 years now. Wow. Um, and you know, they've been super loyal to me and, you know, and I wouldn't ride any, any other tire, but a Schwalbe, you know, that's not only because I'm, you know, still supported by them, but they're simply the best tires. Like I'd go out tomorrow and, and buy Schwalbe, even if I wasn't um, supported by them. Yeah. Um, but all those things come came from talking and um, networking with with the right people. Um, yeah. And being and surrounding yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Um, on a note of like kit and sponsors and things like you you were on scott for a while and you've changed your saddleback like you said earlier and you're racing the uh the pivot cross-country bike this year aren't you how like a lot of people wouldn't have seen that or experienced it how's that like shaping up really nice i've got a really good this year i've got a really good uh really good setup with uh with with the company I work for Saddleback, um, yeah. yeah, as you said, uh, you know, I started off a few few years back um, in under twenty three days with with Torque, um, which I was with for a long time, um, and we, you know, we we rode we, we rode white bikes at that time, and and we then moved on to um, Scott, which was really really nice because that was a really nice brand, which was uh which then led me on to then go into ride for Scott UK um directly so which was really cool um and then where I am now is was with with the company I work for um yeah it's sort of naturally organic I suppose organically happened that way because of the job I'm doing with uh with with Saddleback with with MB warranty um it's more of a because i'm i'm working with the with those products every day um racing racing on those products is just just a a no-brainer really (laughs) yeah Um, so yeah um this year i mean i've been yeah working as i said with saddleback for working for the company for almost three years now and um yeah this year i've i've actually riding for the company as well as working for for the company um and yeah i'm riding the mv melee and the mv mog gravel bike for uh, gravel on road and then for mountain it's all covered with uh pivot so as you said yeah the pivot mac 4sl which is their cross country race bike. Um, that'll be what I'll be be racing on for for cross country this year. Um, yeah, and I'm in a very, you know, a very very nice lucky position to be to be able to ride all the products that I I love and you know I really believe in because 
I think if you believe in pro in the plot in the products that you're racing on, um, you know you're not trying to you're not trying to sell someone a story, no. um, and tell someone tell someone something that you don't really believe in. You know, the yeah, last exactly. thing you want to be doing is you know trying to sell something that or trying to tell someone something that you don't really believe is to be true, sort of thing. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm writing writing the writing products is, I think is, yeah, the the best the best stuff. Yeah, you've got to ride a bike you get on with and things as well, haven't you? Like, um, you see, I, I don't know. Sometimes people change brands or whatever, and it doesn't work out. It's not the not the fact the bike's bad. It's just that the, it doesn't suit a rider's style and stuff, isn't it? So it's like you need to not necessarily take the first opportunity that comes through the door sometimes you got to think about it and try to test things out you and like you say do things you believe in and can get behind and actually work for you and stuff yeah no that, that that's also a thing as well is that you know that all the um the teams and the and the the bikes i rode in the past you know it's not the reason for change is not because the bikes are no good you know yeah got is is fantastic is yeah with a really nice really nice bike really nice brand you know, I, I love love riding the bike, um, but you know, and and again, you know, no, even when things things end, no no bridges are burnt. You know, they're still still keeping contact with the guys, but it's just how things work out in life. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, to be to be able to get involved with with Saddleback and riding the products that we distribute at at Saddleback. Um, is just yeah a really nice nice thing to have um and it's something that you know i i can test out new stuff um you know in racing um and i always think that racing is is the best way to to really test products totally. you know you you're there's no you'll never ride a bike hard fast fast or hard enough than you would when you do do a race. No, exactly. It's the, it's the true is the true test of how good products are. Um. So yeah, I can I can relay that that information and all that sort of stuff with us new you know new products that are are soon to come out or or anything like that. It can it can make the end consumer who's buying that product. Um, yeah, give them a better product, really. Definitely. Um, and it also gives me more knowledge on on the products as well because I know how it rides and how it feels. So when I'm talking to customers when I am working, I can pass on that that knowledge and experience that I have from from using it using the same the same products which they're which they're they're buying and paying for. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of people can read the product description, but if you've ridden it and raced it, you may recommend something different to what they necessarily want, which may suit them better and stuff. So that's, that's really useful um, to be an informed racer and customer support person as well, I guess, isn't it? And understanding warranty and things like you, you said about with Envy. So no, that's, that's really cool. It's, um, yeah. That's good. I mean, we've spoken a lot about advice, so I think we'll skip the next question, which is any advice to the listeners, because we've done a hell of a lot of advice. You've given out some golden nuggets of advice, which has been great. Um, 
have you have you got any like particular heroes or inspirations that you've looked up to throughout your cycling career? I think one of them's definitely definitely Nino Schurter is one of them. Um, Nino Schurter and uh, Matthew Van der Poel is, is probably my two cycling um, cycling heroes. I I would say. Um, okay. Yeah, both of them. Their style, their their way of racing. Yeah, I just think they're. There's always been people I've I've looked up to over the years, really. Um, and what they yeah what they've achieved is just. Yeah, next. Next level, really. Like it's yeah, amazing. Um. Yeah, and it's just their professionalism as well. The professionalism around racing bikes as well is, again, really on point. Which is, again, as a, I think as an athlete, you, you, if you can, you can be that way. It, it, it's a good way to be, I think. Definitely, yeah. It's, it's like you said earlier about networking and not burning bridges and things. If you're as a professional athlete in particular or trying to be professional, you've got to conduct yourself in a certain manner, haven't you? And set a good example and things. And yeah, it goes a long way, doesn't it? And obviously helps your performance and things as well. So yeah, it's a, the complete package. Those guys aren't there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Most, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. No, they're, they're two good role models for sure. Um, and then the final question is, is there any like shout outs you want to give like socials you want to plug any, yeah. Anything you want to promote? Um, yeah, I think uh, over the, all over over the years, I think over the years, everyone who's been involved in 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 everything I've done over the over the time I've been racing, I suppose, has all played a part to how and where I've got now. Really, whether you know from the, from the people from coaching from from the bike racing side to to all of it is it all shapes to how i've got where i am now i suppose um not just bike racing but with the job i do as well um it's all a a knock-on effect of of everything really um so yeah all those people they just they've all played a big part in 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 how i've got where i've got yeah um, makes sense but yeah no, it's, um, it takes like a community almost doesn't it there's a lot of support behind the scenes and like you said it's not you've been like through teams of you as you've evolved and each one's played its part in your development hasn't it um, and it's all been valuable and different coaches and stuff so yeah there's a lot of people to thank i guess rather than just people sometimes may assume it's just one thing that makes a difference but it's not it's a it's a huge collection isn't it no absolutely um I think that's the thing as well is don't be don't get too stressed over things as well um you know I'm quite a chilled relaxed guy and I don't really get affected by pressure really even though when high pressure moments in life and and I don't really get affected by by pressure that much because I'm quite a chilled out guy Mm -hmm. um and I think that's a really good way to be as well. It's just don't 
take things too seriously um, in life. If you can, just with everything. Yeah, it's, it's the best way to be, I think. Um, and yes, uh, yeah, not, don't 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 worry, don't worry about things too much because it all everything sorts itself out. Yeah, everything works out in the end, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. And you, you land on your feet eventually. Yeah. That's good. Um, and where's the best place for people to like keep up to date with what you're doing and things like Instagram, Facebook, that sort of thing? Um, my best one is is of is on Instagram, um, yeah. which is Joe.Griffiths. Okay, I'll stick a link. Which is yeah, my uh, my name on Instagram. Awesome. And uh, that's where you'll see pretty much everything i'm i'm doing um it's all up to date current as much as it can be um and then again on strava um every lesson everything like if you go on my strava everything on my strava is what i do there's nothing yeah. on there is hidden there's nothing on there there's no all my data is on there all my training hours are on there all my rides are on there there's nothing on there that's hidden. I don't hide any rides. I don't don't I don't not upload any rides. So what you see on there is is what exactly what I do. Nice. You know, I'm not one of those people as well that that hides um hides their training or yeah. you know, won't talk about what what I do. Any if anyone wants to know anything, they can just ask me and I'll just tell them as it is. You know, they've got I've got I've got, I suppose I've got, you know, I've got nothing to hide. Yeah. Um, I've never been that, so I've never been that sort of person that, that hides, hides anything. You know, if anyone asked me what I had for tea last night, I'll tell them what I had for tea. Um, <laughs> or what I eat from before race. I'll tell them exactly what I eat before race. Yeah. I guess there's nothing magic about any of it, is it? It's just doing it well and consistently and stuff rather than there's no magic bullet is there or secret session that will win the world champs <laughs> no that's it consistency is consistency is the most important thing within training um followed by quality um and yeah like i said before i don't get don't get too stressed out about it because you got to enjoy it as long as you're enjoying it and most important thing is you're enjoying it then the results will will come as long as you do those things consistency quality and enjoyment it's the three the three things really that contributes to to getting good results because as soon as you stop enjoying stopping enjoying it you you lose that motivation and that interest that yeah. natural that natural in, interest in it which you have when you when you're when you want to do well definitely because um, that that that's that's an everything that that led on to, you know, back in two thousand and nineteen when I I, you know, after ten years of trying, what, ten years of trying to get onto a national elite podium, hmm. um, I did it back in two thousand nineteen, and it was one of the years where I was racing less. My training was good, quality was good, and I was, yeah, enjoying it. And the most I'd enjoyed the sport in a long time. And 
yeah, the results came. There you go. Trust the process, isn't it? That's um, that's awesome. There's so much knowledge that's been dropped there. Really appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners will as well. Um, it's been great chatting, um, and we'll see you at a race soon. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, and if, anyone want, if anyone wants to know anything, don't be afraid to come and speak to me. Awesome. All right, we'll do it. See you in a bit. See you later. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the A-Line Podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, then why not leave us a review on your podcast app of choice or even share the episode on Instagram. Give us a tag on social media. Make sure you're following the account as well to keep up to date with all the news, especially as the end of season party is going to be announced through Instagram. There's going to be an event right where you can sign up and things like that. Yeah, just keep spreading the word basically because without listeners, there is no show. It's been a great first season. I'm really grateful for everyone's support. The listeners have really made the show possible and I'm really excited to seeing people at the last couple of races or at the end of season party. So yeah, hopefully see you there. If not, have fun out on the trails and hopefully catch you soon.